Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Praise God. What a wonderful morning. What a wonderful time of worshiping God and just being in His presence. I just want to wish every one of you a happy 13th church anniversary. My mind goes back to God's faithfulness from many years ago. From the time God has called us to be a church in this city. To all the lives that have come in and the lives that have been touched, ministered. And all the lives that came and ministered alongside with the vision. I thank God for God's goodness. I thank God for His faithfulness. I thank God for also everything that God is planning in the coming years in and through us as a church. God has a vision for a nation, for a city, for a place. And God looks for people. And when people say yes to God, there is no telling what God can do through God and his people teaming up together. And I think that's been the story of WICC for the last 13 years. I praise God and give him all the glory for his goodness. This day, I want to continue speaking on this message called Walking in Love. I started last week sharing on this topic called Walking in Love and how God's heart is that we walk in love. John 13, 34, we saw a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you that you love one another. And we saw how in the scriptures God began to express to us that love is not a feeling, that love is the nature of God. To really love somebody is to move from a sense of feeling to really walk into the nature of God. We saw how there are different words in the Greek that express the word love. And most of those words have to do with selfish love or loving because it is beneficial to us. But how God, when He expresses love, the word used is a word called agape, which means an unconditional, unconditional love that God has for you and me. Today, I want to take it a little deeper. Luke's Gospel And chapter 10 and verse 27. The Bible says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. God, when He began to express to the world why He sent His Son, the Bible says, For God so loved. Love was the foundation of everything that God does, God has done. Love is the foundation of everything God has done for us and all that God is going to do for us. The Bible says that God so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son. In this scripture, what Jesus did as He was sharing from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, 27, Jesus knew that the Pharisees had given so many laws, 613 laws, And people, if they had to be blameless, they had to look at what all they're doing perfectly and how much they're able to do, you know, correctly. Jesus knew that. He took all of that together and he put it into Luke's Gospel 10.27. And he went on to say, you shall love God 
and you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. You know, God was saying, if there is a way that I want you to love God, it has to be with 100%. I want you to give your 100% in walking with God, 100% in knowing God, 100% of your strength to God. Many people say, I want to give my last bit of strength to God. Just before dying, you know, I, when I was much younger, beginning to serve God, a lot of older people, would, you know, people that meant good to me, they would come to me and say, don't go too much into all of this. This is all meant for, you know, people who are older, after their retirement. You give your time to God, but not too much. This is all too much. And I could not understand what they called too much to me in the scriptures. When I looked at Apostle Paul, that was normal. When I looked at the disciples of Jesus, who went about all of Judea and Galilee and, and into the nations of the world with the gospel of Jesus, what many people called too much because of love. Because they loved God for these disciples, that was the normal, normal Christian life. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, which means God takes the priority in our heart. With all of our soul, God takes the priority in our emotions, in our will, it's submitted to God. And all of our strength, God takes the best years of our life. He has priority in the best years of our life that we can give it to God. And all of our mind with everything that is in our mind. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Romans chapter eight and verse 13 and verse 8. In the conclude, concluding chapter of, chapters of Romans, the Bible says in Romans 13, 8, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. The Bible calls loving other people a debt that you and I owe. God calls it a debt that you and I owe, that God wants, you know, that we, we owe a debt to God. And the only way we can repay our debt to God, the Lord is saying, if you say that you love me, and if you say that you owe a debt to me, says the Lord, the Lord says the only way, the only way you can repay that debt to me is go out and love other people. Love them as I would love them. Go in my place, the Lord would say. Can you go in my place and love other people? On this 13th anniversary, I want to challenge the church. I want to challenge us. Can we go out in the place of God and can we love people as Jesus would love them? Can we be kind to people as Jesus would be kind to them? Can we be merciful to people as Jesus would be merciful? Can we go in His place? Owe nothing but the continual debt. That this is a debt we owe to God. The continual debt of loving one another. And God says this is something that cannot end. It has to go on. For He goes on to say, and that makes a powerful statement. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. You know, this is a very, very strong statement to tell the Jewish people. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Which means God is saying, if you walk in love, by that one act, I want you to know the Lord is saying, in that one act, you have fulfilled, you have included all the 613 commandments. The Jews were longing to somehow fulfill the commandments. They were longing to be found blameless in the sight of God. 
every time they read Noah was blameless and, and Enoch was blameless and, and when they read that, you know, people in, in the scriptures, many of them were blameless. In a Jew's heart, his desire would have been to be blameless like the fathers the, of ancient. The ancient fathers that were mentioned in the Jewish scriptures. His heart would be to be blameless like them. And now here comes Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if you really want to be blameless, I want to put all those 613 commandments. And I want to take those 10 commandments that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. I want to take all of it and put it together in just two commandments. Love God with all of your heart. Everything. Your strength, your might, your daily decision, the years of your life, your wealth, your, your behavior, your passions. Give it all to God. Love God with all your heart. That God does not get the second place after popular celebrities or after money or after family status or after your career or after all of that, that God would be loved beyond above all of this. That's why Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. It is time for us to come to a place in life where we learn to love God with all, with everything. When we look in the scripture, a word study on the word love, you see, is actually a, an action word. When Jesus said that you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself, Jesus, you know, they asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? What does it mean to love? You see, love is not a feeling. Jesus wanted to express the truth that love is not a feeling. Love is not the goosebumps you feel when, or the romantic feelings you feel. Love is much beyond that. He wanted us to know that love is the nature of God. So someone asked him, who's my neighbor? And Jesus said, once a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while he was going, the robbers took him and they beat him. And they lay him almost for dead. They robbed him and they walked away. And then a priest came the way. A man who was known for his religious leading, leadership. As he was passing by, he looked at this broken man. And he passed away. He moved, he moved on. Then after that, a Levite came. A Levite came and looked at this man beaten, almost lying there dead. And he also went on. And then the Bible says, came a Samaritan. Samaria was the capital of Israel. While Judah was the southern nation. Samaria had walked away from God. And so for the Jew... The Samaritan was a mixed breed. The, for a Jew, a Samaritan was an unfaithful follower of Yahweh. For the Jew, the Samaritans were people who had set up their own temple in Mount Gerashim and started worshipping God and other gods along with it. So for the Jew, a Samaritan was an unfaithful, half-breed, ungodly person who was worshipping Yahweh God along with other gods. And when it was convenient for them to follow God, they would do it. When it was not convenient, they would not do it. This animosity between the Jew and the Samaritan was historically there for close to a, you know, close to a thousand years before the coming of Jesus walking on those roads in Palestine. And when Jesus looked at them and said, when they asked him, who is my neighbor? Jesus looked at them and said, that's Samaritan whom the Jew would not touch with a six-foot pole in his sane mind. If he was in his sane mind, he wouldn't even look at a Samaritan. He would probably spit at him. That Samaritan was passing by. 
he stopped and he looked at someone who in a sane mind might have spat at him. He looked at him. He stepped down. He took out the oil and the wine. He bandaged his wounds. He put him on his donkey. Took him to that inn. Gave the innkeeper the responsibility saying, can you take care of this man? And he gave him some money from his own hands to take care of the enemy of the Samaritans. And he tells the innkeeper, if it costs you anything more than this, I'm going, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, I will pay back in full. When they asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Jesus pointed to the ones they hated with a passion. They considered unrighteous when they considered themselves righteous. Who considered them as defaulters and people who do things wrong and who are not living right and who are not obeying God and who are proclaiming to know God but, do, but are hypocrites. Jesus looked at those group of people and said, that's your neighbor. If you can't love them, then you have not known God. He put everything together and said, I just give you one new commandment. A new commandment I give to you. That you learn to one, love one another. Many times it's so hard for us to love one another. It is hard for us to love the ones we really love. How much more harder is it for us to love the ones that hurt us, that despise us, that slander us, that make us, you know, really feel bad, broken. How much more it is for us, you know, hard for us to love those people. When we see, study that word love in the New Testament, Love is not a feeling. You never see love associated with a, uh, you know, a feeling. Love is an action word in the New Testament. There's always an act that goes with it. For example, what would be an action word? The word read would be an action word where you, you're actively doing something. The word to serve or to play would be an action word. In the same way, the word love is an action word in the Word of God. And this word goes on to demonstrate a, a, a particular, it's not a passive thing, where God's asking you and me to get out of our comfort zones. God is asking you and me, can you step out of your comfort zone and can you walk in a love that makes you uncomfortable? A love that makes you go after the enemies of God who don't like you. A love that makes you serve the Jew even though you are a Samaritan and they hate you. A love that goes and be, makes you be kind to the ones that are unkind to you. A love that makes you bless them that curse you. And do good to them that despise you. A love that makes you go and forgive them that are angry with you. And speak with them that don't want to speak with you. God was saying, I am giving you only one commandment that you need to follow. And all the others will be fulfilled in this one. That you will love them as I have loved you. If you would raise that standard, many times we want to associate with those people that we like. Or we feel that we fit in with. We want to walk with those people that agree with us. Who see things the way we do. And yet God says, that is not my love. That is selfish. That is lust. So if we were to obey God, if we were to really love as God loved, what would it look like? One of the first things that God wants us to do, to love as God would love, is to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind. And this is demonstrated 
How do I know I love God? Many times we say, I love God because, you know, my heart, I feel I love God. God knows I love Him, many people say. Even though I'm unfaithful, God knows that I love Him. What we're referring to many times when we say, God knows that I love Him, we're referring to an emotion that is there in our heart. We're referring to something we're feeling deep in our heart. God, you know, don't you, that deep down in my heart, even though I'm disobedient, I love you. Yes, now God knows our heart that we have feelings for Him. God knows our heart that we have a passion for God. God knows our heart we want to obey Him. But God was asking, can we take it a step further? Second John chapter 1 and verse 6 says like this, And this is love. And this is love, that we walk according to His command. Second John 1.6 literally blows up the definition of love that we all hold. That love is a feeling. Those of you that have fallen in love, or those of you that love your children, or those of you that love people or care about people, many times what we call love is what we call the word like. And God is saying, I want you to move away from that definition of just liking people. That if you say that you want to, that I like God, why do I like Him? Because God has blessed me. God saved me. God has done good for me. God's going to prosper me. God helped me find a good life partner. God is, you know, going to bless me. God is kind to me. And that's why I love Him. And God is saying, well, if you say that you love me, I want you to move from the definition of love. I want you to move on from a place of saying, you love me because you have feelings for me. God is saying, if you love me, this is love. This is love. That we walk according to His commandment. God redefined our love for God. And God is saying, the only definition that literally measures our love for Him is our obeying the commandments God has given us. And God takes all those commandments and puts it together. And He says, can you love other people that don't love you? Love is not a feeling, brothers and sisters. Even as we are here as a church, God is calling us not to love the lovable or to like the likable. God is calling us to go out and bless them that curse us. God has called you to go and love the ones that don't love you. And this is love that we walk to according to His commandments. And then if you have any doubt what the commandment is, this is the commandment, just as you heard from the beginning, that you should walk in. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, obey my commandment. If you love me, obey my commandment. And, and what is love? This is love, that you obey my commandment. So if you love me, obey my commandment. And then he goes on to say in John 15, 12, if we have any doubt as to what love is. In John 15, 12, he says, and if love is obeying my commandment, and this is my commandment, that you love one another. God says, if love is really obeying my commandment, that's how you show that you love me then which commandment do you want me to follow, God, that I can show you that I love you? I love you, and God says, if you love me, then obey my commandment. Which commandment, Lord? And God says, the commandment I want you to follow is that you love one another. That our sign that we love God 
is truly manifested in loving one another. Many times people say, I love God, but people, they're so hard. God says, no. The only proof that you love me, says the Lord, is that you obey my commandment. And which commandment? That you love one another. That means the only proof that we love God is manifested when we love people, when we love the, the church, when we love one another, and when we love others that are not worthy of our love. Wow, that's a tall order. Today as God has been pulling on your heart and speaking to your heart, God is asking you, do you say you love me? If so, why don't you go out and prove that love by allowing that love manifested to the world? You know why we love God and are not able to love the world? It's because the love with which we love God is not unconditional. The way we love God is the way we love people. If we love God in eros, selfish love, what can I get from you? We will love people in the same way. What can I get from you? If we love God and feel you, God, I like you. In the same way, we will only like, walk with the people we like. If we say, God, you know what? Uh, I, I agape you unconditionally. No, no conditions, God. I have absolutely no conditions when it comes to loving you. If that's the case, that is exactly how we will go out and love other people. You know, one day the Lord showed me my heart. When I was talking about learning about love and praying through this, the Lord showed me my heart and he said, he showed one small, a huge part of my heart. And inside it was written Eros, a huge chunk of my heart. And then another small part of my heart in there was written Filio. Eros is selfish love, self-centered love. Filio is like, love for people that you like. And then, you know, another small part was Nomos, which is loving people that are like you. And then, you know, all these different... And finally, one tiny little part of my heart, the Lord showed, inside was written agape. A small, tiny little part of my heart which said agape. And the Lord told me, he said, John, do you know that most of the people you love, you love them because of eros or filio or stogi or all of that. And God said, I want you to love them with agape. And the only way you and I can learn to love people unconditionally is when we grow to love God unconditionally. When He pours His love into our heart through the Holy Spirit. So the first way we really see that we love God is when we obey His commandments. But the second way we know that we love God is when we begin to love one another. 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, the Bible says, it begins to express to us, if we love God, then the Bible goes on to say that if we will begin to manifest that love to other people, that love begins to grow, that begins, where love begins to not, not be a feeling, love begins to mature, love begins to grow to be something really powerful. Now, when we begin to see that, we see that we are willing to go beyond ourselves, beyond our comfort zone, beyond what makes us happy, to ask, Lord, I want to know what makes you happy. Lord, fill my heart with what makes you happy. Break my heart with what breaks your heart. For that is then truly love, when I know the love that pours from your heart into mine, and I begin to live that love into a hurting world. That is love. 
where we begin to lay our lives down one for another. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Love, we thought, was something I feel when others take care of me. Now God is saying, love in its highest epitome is when you give up what you value the most. And what is it that we value the most? Our own lives. Our benefits, our convenience, our blessing, our prosperity, our comfort zones, our private lives, our, you know, our, our happiness, our joy. This is what we value the most. And God is saying, there is no higher expression of God's love than when we decide to lay down everything what we are holding on to very dearly. When we lay down God is saying, this is love. This is love. That is no longer about us holding on to what we want that makes us happy. This is love. When we lay down what we love the most. I remember a statement by Jim Elliot, a missionary into Ecuador. Many years ago, he died as a missionary among the a cannibal tribe in the Amazon jungle. Jim Elliot said like this, it's a powerful statement that rings in my heart. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He was talking about giving up his own life for the sake of the gospel. And Jim Elliot, in that he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that's an eternity with God. God is saying, that greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we begin to love people, when people say, I love somebody, I have feelings for somebody, I love, I love my husband, I love my wife, I love my family, I love my friends. You know, usually when you get to meet somebody, there are five stages that people go through in love. One of the first stages that we go through in love is a stage called acquaintance or friendship or infatuation or romance. This is a stage if you're lovers or if you're just getting married, this is a stage you go through. Infatuation. Everything's perfect. It's amazing. Oh, what a wonderful person. Oh, he's, he's Jesus himself. You know, infatuation and Romance, where, where you're, you're on the phone, you're talking, and, and you feel you haven't spoken enough, and there's just so much more to say. And if, it is, if it's new people that you met, it will be acquaintances, it will be new friendships that are blossoming. This first stage of love, this is a stage where it goes about three to six months uh, of the relationship, where, uh, you know, uh, where you have your shades on, and, and you can't find anything wrong with this person. This is the place in your relationship where you, you, you know, you're all gaga about the person. You're all so happy. You're all so excited. It goes about three to six months. Friendships feel amazing. And you're like, wow, this is such an amazing person. This is the kind of person I always wanted to be friends with. They feel great. And this is the time you want to meet up. You're getting on the call. You begin to hang out with the person. You're talking. You're discussing. 
you're going to coffee together, you're playing football together because you're being friends. In classroom, you go and you, ha- you sit together. After class, you, you hang out together. That friendship, that acquaintance, that friendship is beginning to grow. And if it's a romantic relationship, if it's, a, if it, if it's someone you're, you're planning to get married to, this friendship, you know, you want to meet up, you want to hang out, you want to talk about things in life. And there's those butterflies in your stomach. There's a flutter in your eyelashes. And, you know, there's an excitement about knowing this person. You think he's cute, he's nice, or she's sweet, she's beautiful. You want to meet up. And this is a stage in which you're appreciating everything about the person. Everything about that person you begin to appreciate. And uh, you're willing to share. You're willing to give things. You're not holding on. You want to give. You're, You're happy to give things to the person. And... Oftentimes in this first stage, you're looking at what you can get from this relationship. Is he fun to be with? Is she sweet to be with? Or is that person kind to be with? You're looking at what you can get from this relationship. This is a place where you're focusing on your similarities and you're ignoring the flaws. You know, you become blind to the mistakes. Biological forces, hormones begin to take over and you feel happy, you feel excited you, you know, this is the stage where, where you're probably, uh, if you're in love, you're, you're, you're jumping on a bed and hugging the pillow and burying your face in the pillow and dreaming about the great days that are going to come ahead. This is a time we are spending a lot of time together. You spend three hours in the evening having dinner together and then you've gone back home, you picked up the phone and then you start a conversation into the night. This is that romantic face and this is the first stage of love. When you spend time after being together, you feel the time wasn't enough. And you can't imagine being away from one another. If one of you have to go away from the town, you feel heartbroken that you've been apart for a while. This is a stage where you avoid conflict. In fact, conflict is not only avoided in the stage, it seems like conflict will never happen. You know, you feel like, oh, us fight? No way. I remember a, a, a couple before they were getting married many, many years ago. I remember this couple told me, oh, our love, it's platonic. You know, it's amazing. It's platonic love. We never fight. We have no problems. Oh, I remember, you know, when I heard that, I was thinking in my heart, oh, my God, another one bites the dust. Here goes. Here goes another one that believes you're in platonic love. Many, many years later, recently, we just found out that they're planning to get divorced many years later. Why? What happened? Because they did not mature. They did not move from that place. So this is the first place where you are acquaintance and romance and falling in love and all of that. From there, you go into the second stage or the second phase of love. What's the second phase of love? Listen, the second phase in any relationship is this phase called, called disillusionment. What happens in the second phase? You're disillusioned with this person now. You start to see the flaws. He doesn't brush his teeth properly. He walks into the room and kicks his shoe off into the air. And, uh, and his shirt is in one place. And his, his toothbrush is in another. And, and the place is messy. And you begin to find out he doesn't spread the bed the way you spread the bed. He doesn't fix things the way you do it. And now this begins to get under your skin. You begin to see people's flaws and mistakes in this face. And they begin to come behavioral patterns that you just don't like. 
or you th- but you tell yourself but you're still in love you're still in love you try to hold on to this as long as it can go remember the first phase was 3 to 6 months the second phase you get into beginning to get disillusioned the person doesn't seem to be as great as you thought he and she was in the beginning and you begin to ask did he change did she change and you begin to be shocked at the person's nature you did that how dare he do that you begin to be shocked at some things the person can do or say this is a stage where we we forget the things we do and say but remember the things they do and say isn't it amazing we are if it's a friend you're shocked at the way they spoke and you're not sure you want to associate with this kind of a person you begin to be disillusioned in marriage you're stuck and so you're confused and not know what to do you wonder if you're still in love and you feel that you you're not sure you like this person as much as you like them the person before this relationship is no longer a fantasy and there's no more excitement of this relationship that was there before that is stage 2 in that relationship that's disillusionment and then you move to stage 3 what stage 3 stage 3 is disappointment what is the stage 3 disappointment this is a stage where you begin to reality begins to set in the disillusionment clears way for disappointment and during this stage often times people choose maybe i don't want to go ahead with this friendship This is the time you want to walk away from friends. This is the times you're saying that friend isn't good enough. That's not the kind of person I want to be with. This is not the kind of friend I want to hang out with. And if you're married, this is the stage that many people feel so disappointed. It's about a year or so working through their differences. They try to work through it. They get they begin to feel the instability of this relationship. You believe because you're children of God, you believe arguments are bad, but you argue anyway. you believe raising your voice is not good but the neighbors hear it anyway this is a stage where so much instability sets in and ang- you can begin to get before you get angry over serious things now you get angry over anything simple thing you sneezed why did you sneeze didn't you know this is no sneeze zone you can get angry over anything why did you wear my shoes my why did you wear you know why, why did you take my brush why is dust there on the table you can get angry over anything that comes in your life and arguments become a part of that relationship or that friendship you argue over things sometimes that anger can overtake you and you realize you in your heart that yes we've got to work through this and this is a stage you're trying to put effort you're trying to put effort to work through it and most of that effort is in negotiating details of the conflict and both begin to fight for your side of being right being right is the highlight of the stage i want to be right rather than to be loved in fact at this stage many people choose to break up or get divorced or walk away from friendships we want to end that relationship and or if we are staying married we want to settle for a mediocre marriage after the stage of disappointment lot of people this is the place of make a break but lot of people can take this into the fourth stage what's the fourth stage this is the stage where you learn to love where you grow in love this is a stage you say no being right is not as important as being loving where you're choosing i want to move from focusing 
on being right, from changing that person, you want to begin to focus on changing myself and becoming like Jesus. This is the logical stage of growth. This is the, the, what Jesus talked about. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. When you focus away from looking at the other person's faults, you know, this is when love begins. People of God, listen to me. This is when love really begins. When you look away from focusing on the other people's faults and you focus on, how can I become like Jesus? The focus moves from your needs or my needs. The focus moves to trying to be understanding about the other person's needs. And as I was growing in marriage, I began to ask myself, how can I be understanding about what the other person is feeling? That is love. This is love, Jesus said, that you love one another, that you obey my commandments. Well, my needs begin to move to make way for the other person's needs. The focus moves from being wanted and being understood. The focus moves on to wanting to understand one another. As we grow in love, the focus moves from, from proving that I am right to moves to be, the focus moves to wanting to behave right. Am I behaving right? Am I speaking right? Am I thinking right? Am I being kind? In this stage, when you move from being right to behaving right, that's when the other person begins to feel loved by you. That's when the other person begins to feel wanted, appreciated. Instead of focusing on proving I'm right, you begin to create an environment where the other person begins to feel loved. This is when an enjoyment begins to set into the relationship. Usually, this takes, this goes after the early part of marriage. As friends and couples and ministers and, and all of that, God begins to move us into a journey of loving one another. God moves us through some of our differences. And by this time, the fantasy of a, of a cloud nine marriage is gone or a fantasy of an unbreakable relationship is gone and you move into the reality of walking in love. But you move away from fantasy and you accept, I know this is not a perfect person and I know there are a lot of mistakes. But now in this journey of love, I'm moving from making that person become the person of my dreams. I'm moving to become the person of God's dreams. I'm moving that journey from wanting to be loved to receiving love from God and giving that love to other people. Yes, there will be some differences that we fight over at this stage, but we will still love one another anyway and we, we commit to work through our relationships. We see the benefits of standing together are far more than standing apart. And when you made it through this, you will grow into the fifth stage of love. And this is called mature love or perfect love. This is when God perfects you in love. This is when God says, this is what I created you for. This is why I poured my Holy Spirit into your life. That you might go and love others as I have loved you. In this point of love, there's a change in your lifestyle. Love is no longer something you do as an act. Forgiving others is no longer an act. Forgiveness is now who you're becoming. You're becoming a forgiving person. Before, 
You are forgiving as an act. Now you are forgiving as a person. Loving somebody is not something you do. Loving your spouse or loving the people around you is not an act you do or a decision you take. Love is now who you are becoming. You are moving from doing the acts of love. You are moving to become love itself. Because God is pouring His love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. Love becomes more deeper, more sacrificial, more beneficial to others. Love becomes a choice you make because that's who you're becoming. Love becomes who you, you are. You become love because you're looking at love all the time. You're looking at Jesus all the time. You're looking at God all the time and He is love. You begin to know that this choice of loving others is what's going to make you happy. Not other people doing what you want that's going to make you happy. But your choice of loving others unconditionally is going to make you happy. Forgiveness is your way of life. Serving one another becomes your way of life. You serve others not because they're worthy of service. You serve others because you are love. Now you looked at Jesus so much. You're becoming like Jesus. Love comes to a place of perfection where we expect little in return. And we're still giving. We're still giving because we love. We're still giving because God is in our heart. We're still giving because we're maturing. We're still serving. We're still loving. We're focusing on other people, on how I can honor them. I'm now focusing not on myself. I'm focusing on the other person. How can I honor my wife? How can I honor my husband? Not because they're perfect, but because God is perfecting me. Not because they're giving me everything I've always wanted. Not because they understand me, but because I am beginning to understand them. Because I'm beginning to be filled with God's love. And at this point, love becomes patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. At this point, you become a person that has no brain space to keep record of wrong. Love is not jealous and love is not boasting about how smart you are or how smart I am. It's not comparing, oh, I am smarter than you, I'm, I, I'm wiser than you, I know better. That's what children do, telling one another that I'm smarter. But when love comes in your heart, you grow beyond that and you begin to say, I won't brag about how good I am. I'll brag how good God's been to me. Love's not arrogant. Love is not unbecoming, will not behave in a, in a bad manner, does not seek its own. This is love. This is love. That it does not seek its own, but seeks the good of others. Love is not easily provoked. When we are immature, the small things provoke us. But as we grow in love, we are not provoked anymore. Because this is love. That we love them as Christ loved us. Love does not take into account of wrong suffered. Which means I do not keep an account of what they did wrong to me. What they said wrong to me. How they treated me wrong. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. But rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. And this is love. 
when I look at God so much that He pours His love into my heart that now love becomes all about others. About carrying God who's in me that makes me not just do an act of love for people but changes me to be love. And this is love that God gave His only Son for the enemies of God. And this is love that we give our lives for people that don't love us. Maybe you're struggling or suffering at this time. Maybe you're battling with this thing. Right now, I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for people right now. Maybe some of them are just in that early stage of romance, are enjoying one another and can't see faults. Maybe there are some people that are right now disillusioned by some behaviors. And you're saying, how can I love such a person? Maybe there are some people that are disappointed right now. That are totally heartbroken and saying, I cannot go another day with this. Lord, I pray for these people. That you will pour your love into their hearts right now. That they will begin to grow in love. That they will receive love from you. That they will grow in love and begin to love other people. And from there, the journey goes on where they will be perfected in love, Lord. Where they're not doing acts of love. Where you change us to be love itself. Just as God is love. Pour your love into our hearts, Lord. That we will love the unlovable. We will be kind to them that are harsh to us. We will bless them that curse us. We will do good to them that do evil to us. Not because we are going to do acts of love, because we are growing to become love itself as God is love. We submit our lives and give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.